my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Emily Krebs. How are you, Emily? I am great. Thank you for having me. Excited. Oh, thank you for being here. You know, I I, I have to apologize, Emily. I uh, at the top, I like feel like I'm like an announcer. You know, I feel like I'm a and now Emily Krebs. <laughs> I've always wanted to be like a public address announcer, and and for some odd reason, Cal Poly Sports Athletics <laughs> has never asked me to do that. But you've got the voice for it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> but anyway, um, so Emily uh, Emily is a 2013 graduate of our program, and she is currently serving as chief of staff for global talent acquisition for LinkedIn and um, a company that we all know and and most of us love, um, at least I know I do. And um, Emily, I've got to say from the jump, I'm really super excited to talk to you about your career with LinkedIn because you've been there for um, nine years now and just the, 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 the path that you've taken from a event coordinator to a chief of staff for global talent acquisition. It's just such an awesome story, I feel like. And so I can't wait to talk to you about it, but we're going to go back and, and, and talk a little bit about your early life first. Um, tell us where you grew up, Emily. I grew up um, in a little suburb outside of Sacramento uh, called Granite Bay. Um, oh, yeah. moved around a few different places when you're younger, but that's really where I spent majority of my, my childhood. It's very hot there right now. It's like hundred and I don't miss it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I bet. Well, um, I, as you said that I'm like, ah, Granite Bay, I feel like I've talked to someone else who's from Granite Bay. Um, but I, you know, I have come to learn a little, a few of those little places outside Sacramento from talking yeah. to folks. And, um, and also my son is in Sacramento right now at jazz camp, like, uh, right outside Sacramento. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's been, uh, feeling the heat, but, uh, yeah. but hopefully they've been inside playing instruments. It hasn't been too bad. Yeah. They've, they really go hard on the AC in Sacramento. You kind of have to for those six months. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I was a little worried, Emily, because I I asked my son, this is his first sleepover camp. And I said, what's been the highlight so far? And he goes, well, um, we just covered uh, my one friend in shaving cream and we're throwing Cheetos at him. That's pretty fun. And I was like, "Mm, okay, awesome. (laughs) Sounds like a good, wholesome camp. Yeah. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us what, what did your, what did your folks do there in Granite Bay when you were growing up? Uh, my dad worked for, um, he was in the agriculture industry. So okay. he worked for, um, a pesticide and fertilizer company, hmm. um, for, he was there for a long time. Um, and then my mom, uh, was a stay at home mom when we were younger, um, and she has since gone back to work, uh, and she works for um, a company that does like energy efficiency lighting. Um, okay, cool. Well, we have some some uh, we have some crossover. I, you know, my I grew up on a tobacco farm in uh, in North Carolina, so I I know about agriculture. And my mom was a stay at home mom and kept busy with uh shuttling us all around and uh doing all kinds of stuff so that's awesome um what about uh what about siblings 
siblings. I have two younger sisters. Um, So my sister, Allie, she uh, lives in the Bay Area, really close to me. She's like five minutes away. Um, She is a professional photographer. So she owns her own business. Um, Her business is Allison Stoddard. I'll give her a shout out. Um, For the listeners, she uh, specializes in weddings and engagement shoots. Um, She's really good at her job. And then um, my youngest sister, Shelby, um, who's seven years younger than me. I've got quite a big age difference. Uh-huh. Um, she is, who is also RBTA major yeah. at Cal Poly. Shout out remember? Shelby. Hi yeah. Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll listen. Um, yeah. And she just recently moved to Honolulu. Um, so she oh. is living in Hawaii, um, which we are all very excited about because of I course bet. all of our family gatherings will now always be great. always great to have um, family in Hawaii. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so she's she's loving the island life. Nice, right on. That is so cold air. Um, and uh tell us about what you were like growing up. What were you into? Was your were you into drama, art, sports? What was your jam? Um, I was not into sports at all. Like my sisters were both into like basketball and soccer. And I was like the one on the sidelines reading a book. Um, so I was like the nerdy kid. Um, I was, uh, I think my parents would describe me. Yeah. As like, just like acted like an adult when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so I read a lot, like I would be in like, I like understood the world. I think, um, my sisters would be like, playing dress up or games or whatever. And I'm like watching the news with my parents. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, so I was, yeah, I was like the the nerdy kid. I still love to read. I read probably oh. like a week or two every month. Um, so that stuck with me. Such a great thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I, this, this next question is my, my glory day segment, right? Uh, where, where you get to share like your proudest moment from, um, from middle or high school before you got to college. Is there, is there something that, um, that really stands out that, that, that you want, um, the listeners to know about? I really tried to think of something that wasn't very, like, wasn't cliche for this one, but right. I kept coming back to, when I found out I got into Cal Poly, oh, um, awesome. I, so my sister went there. I've got a lot of cousins that have gone there. Both of my parents, they met in the Sierra Madre dorms. So we're very much a uh, Cal Poly family. Yes. And so I just was like, I need to go here. I'm comfortable here. My girlfriends from high school, we were all applying together yeah. um, to be in the same dorm. Um, yeah. and so when I got that acceptance letter and, you know, 2012, 2013, I was just like so proud and excited. And I like really cared about school and high school. So it was very rewarding to kind of get into the place that I wanted to go. Yeah. You know, when it's a, when it's a family affair like that, I, I, I just love, I love hearing those stories. And, um, and, you know, I think sometimes, um, I've, I've had a couple of, um, people that I've interviewed who have said, yeah, well, you know, my mom or my dad was an alum and, and I heard about it so much growing up that I was like, oh, I'm not going to follow in their footsteps. I want to do my own thing. But then you also hear people like you who are like, oh, no, Cal Poly. I knew I was going to Cal Poly. And that's the way I was like, I only applied to one school. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I can definitely see where that would be your proudest accomplishment because I, I share with you in, in that. That's so awesome. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um, now that the transition to Cal Poly, did you, uh, 
growing up, did did you have a, a dream job? Do you do you remember anything like that? Uh, you you said you weren't doing dress up or anything, <laughs> playing with dolls, thinking about yeah. like, being a firefighter or anything. But uh, <laughs> but what about what about uh, dream jobs? Had you thought about it? Uh, were you going to be the first uh, first female president? Maybe Look, uh, <laughs> watching watching the news, um, right? I probably did. Yeah. Um, I do remember uh, the one time that I really played with my sisters was when we would play um, like vet or doctor and we would play with our stuffed animals. And I was always the secretary. Like I was the person that was like, had organization. I had the Uh sign in sheet. I had everyone on schedule and I like loved it. My sisters, of course, were the vet or the doctor and, Uh you know. We usually made my youngest sister play the like client with the injured dog or whatever. Um, But I just like, I loved that organization, which I mean, is, I feel like is very relevant to my job today. Of Um, course. Yeah, that was, I just like loved playing that role. Love that. That's so cool. So let's talk. Uh, you, you've already you've already told us a bit about the transition to Cal Poly. Obviously, it was it was in the family. So you were you were headed down that path. Uh, I guess what is it down uh, down Highway Five and and across Forty Six there. <laughs> so you you had blazed that uh, blazed that trail before, but um. What what was um tell tell us a little bit about the transition. You know, everyone kind of has um their own story about what it was like starting college. And you know, I think some people um, you know, like like me, I, I have to admit, like college was like the jam for me. Like when I got out of my parents' house, I was not looking back. I did not have any homesickness. I did not have anything like that. I was like, yes. You mean I can watch sports 24-7 and, uh, <laughs> and uh, kind of pretend to go to class? <laughs> That's basically the way I, I looked at it. But what about you? Like, what was your transition like from um, from Granite Bay to, to San Luis Obispo? Do you remember? Yes. Um, so I was I ended up getting in with a few of my girlfriends from high school. So that was really like yeah, just made it with that, that. You know, better. And yeah. one of us ended up um in the same on the same floor in the same dorm, Sierra Madre, Tower Three. Um, and so that was really nice to have her really close. Yeah. Um at the time I had my boyfriend from from high school and he went to U of A. Uh, um, and so we were doing the long distance thing. So I think that's really what I remember as being the hard part the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, is anyone who is going through that, I, you know, I my heart goes out to you. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and so just trying to balance between making friends and wanting to, you know, go visit and all of that, um, was, was hard, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely loved my time at Cal Poly. I, it's, it was so great. Um, and I actually, um, started out as a liberal studies major. Oh, Um, there we go. There's, there's part of it. Okay. So so you want to be a teacher? Isn't that a teaching program? I think, I think I just picked some, I mean, right. you're 18 and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pick one, you know, Liberal study uh, sounds fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds pretty general. Um, and so I was liberal studies. Um, and then there was a guy in my dorm who was an RPTA major and we had these like booklets of all of the major and minors and concentrations. And I don't know if there was like 
uh, an yeah. internet version at that point. Um, yeah. but we had these like big books and I remember he mentioned it. And so I went in to go look at it and I saw the event concentration, um, yeah. event management concentration. And I was right. like, oh my gosh, this is, this is me. Like, this is perfect. I love this. Um, and so I looked into transferring pretty early on. I want to say it was in like the first or second quarter, uh-huh. uh, and was able to transfer pretty quickly and easily. Um, and never. Awesome. That is awesome. Do you remember that student's name? Um, I want to say it was Nick Taylor. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, he was a slow slow, uh, poly rap, wasn't he? Yes. Also, so yeah. Okay, awesome. I'm going to have to look up Nick and see what Nick is up to. I haven't heard. (laughs) a lot of shout outs today. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't heard from Nick in a while. So that's great to, great to to think about Nick there. And, you know, also, um, Emily, tell me, tell me whether this was the case. Um, I feel like a lot of transfer students, um, a a major transfer students get a chance to, did you, did you have to meet with Dr. Hendricks in order to get in the major? I want to say I did. Yes. Yeah. So I think that connection also really helped um, back in the day, too, because, you know, if you were just in the major, you probably didn't actually meet with Dr. Hendricks any. But um, with uh, with major transfers, um, Dr. Hendricks was was so great um, back in those days. He would let us know he would get excited. So he would be like, oh, yeah. I just met with this student um, yesterday named Emily, and she's really awesome, you know, and so that was also a way to help you get um, acclimated into the major, and, you know, he he did such a, an amazing job there, but um, so, so let's talk about professional development. You know, I, I'm obviously very aware of how much you did uh, when you were when you were here at Cal Poly and really embracing that learn by doing mantra across campus. You know, you were involved with with ASI and, and all kinds of other things. But um, is there is there a moment or is there something that you did where you can where you look back and you think, oh, wow, this really helped propel me to what I'm doing today? Yeah, I think. I think it's really the learn by doing philosophy, like in general, I think Mm. so much of that has helped or helped me go into the, you know, corporate world after that, Um, because there's never, you know, tests or like very long instructions and things like that. It's usually like, Hey, here's some limited information and figure it out. Um, And so I think just being used to that, um, you know, we, I remember planning, you know, I think it was a 3k or 5k or whatever run. and a lot of the stuff that uh, Kendi Root had us had us plan, um, and just kind of being like, here's here's your budget, here's your resources, you know, things like that, and make it happen, um, was incredibly helpful to just already be used to that. And I saw kind of people who were in the industry who you know were very used to I need all of the answers and be able to move forward, and and that's mm-hmm. just not always the case. Most likely, isn't the case mm-hmm. um, when you get into the working world. So super helpful. Love it. Love it. So talk to us about that transition um, into into a career path. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're very proud of our internship program and and um, a, as a launching a launching pad for, for our students. Um, what, what did tell us what you did for your internship, how you got it and your your biggest takeaway? Yep. Um, I remember being just like, I like, just, I wanted to get the best internship. Cause I feel like it was, it was, you know, it's such a great way to kind of have that stepping stone before, um, 
before you jump into like the actual working world. Um, but I, I just applied to a bunch of places. Um, so there wasn't anything that I like specifically did to get it other than just apply. Um, but my internship was with Avon walk for breast cancer. Um, so we were based in the LA office and then we planned the Santa Barbara. Um, it's like a 40 mile walk that they do, um, every year. I really wanted to be at that point in, um, like women's athletic events. Um, so I like I ran the Nike women's half marathon and was like, this is amazing. I want to be a part of it. Um, and just like creating that experience. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just helped the team plan that event. It's all like nonprofit. So, you know, had to get a lot of donations and volunteers and, Mm. and all of that. Um, but it was such a great experience. It was like a small scrappy team. Um, Right. And just like standing at the finish line and watching, you know, the cancer survivors cross the line and people wow. who are doing it in honor of someone that they lost. Like it's, it was so rewarding and just, you know, yeah. you're creating that experience for them. It's so cool. Yeah. That that's the word that I was thinking about when I saw that, um, that what, that must've been such a rewarding experience to be able to, to do that. And, and also, you know, I think it's, it's important to highlight um, as well, what you said about a small scrappy team, right? Like when you're on a small scrappy team as an intern, you get to see all of the different hats that everyone, everyone wears and you realize, right. That it's not um, everybody's doing every, everyone's taking out the trash or communicating with the big, with the, the big wigs or whatever. Right. It's like every all hands on deck type thing. And so I, I love that. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, obviously you had, you had a position in between LinkedIn, but we, I, I really just want to talk about LinkedIn if you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said earlier, um, Emily, uh, started at, uh, LinkedIn as an event coordinator and she's had one, two, three, four, five, six. She's on her seventh different position, um, and has been marching up through the ranks to where she is now chief of staff of global talent talent acquisition. So let's talk first about, uh, if you don't mind, Emily, um, how you got that position. You know, uh, LinkedIn, obviously, um, at that point, wasn't huge, I don't think. Uh, 2014, um, I, help me out. I, I I have a hard time like, thinking how big LinkedIn was at that stage. But um, talk to us about how you got the position, how, whether or not you knew too much about LinkedIn when you took it. What was that like? Yeah, um, my my first like experience with LinkedIn was actually in a class at Cal Poly. Um, oh, it was. Okay, I cool. who it is. Someone brought in um, someone who I think was familiar with LinkedIn. We had a, we dedicated a whole class to creating a LinkedIn profile, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of like building it out. And they talk through the different features and all that. Of course, there's much many more features now than there were back then. Um, but so that's kind of where I I learned about it and where I created my profile actually. Um, but, uh, I had a lot of friends who had gone into tech immediately after, after college. Um, and so I, you know, their, you know, tech back then was like, they had the ping pong tables, they still do, but it was more so like, it was all about the perks. Um, and, and so I was like, I want to be in tech. It's, you know, seems like a lot of fun. Um, I still wanted to be in events. So, and as you know, like a lot of the tech companies have a lot of, you know, they do a lot of events. Um, and so I, um, interview, I was interviewing with Google and LinkedIn at the same time. 
And um, just through the interview process, I fell in love with LinkedIn and the people that work there. Um, They were just so welcoming and um, just could tell that the culture was really great over there. Um, And so I chose LinkedIn out of the two um, and actually started out as a contractor. So they, for talent acquisition, a lot of the times since the team scales up and down with the growth of the company, they have a lot of contractors. And so I really just wanted to get my foot in the door. Um, I think that's like great advice to anyone who, who is looking to get into big companies is the contractor route. You, you get your foot in the door, you're able to prove yourself and then, you know, see where it goes from there. Um, so, so I, um, yeah, I started as a contractor and I think it was uh, probably about nine months in, got converted as a full-time employee. Um, nice. And then that's where I've been since. Nice. And the, the rest is history, so to speak, right? So let's um, let's talk a little bit about uh, locations, right? So I, I talked to you uh, that the, the, the listeners can't um, can't see, but, um, uh, Emily is wearing a New York hat and, um, and I know from, from, uh, having her LinkedIn in front of me, um, profile in front of me that, uh, she spent, uh, almost three years in New York city, uh, working for LinkedIn. Um, but then the rest has been in, in the Bay area and now she's back in the Bay area. So tell us what that was like, uh, moving across country and living in the big city and how that opportunity came to be. Yeah. Um, I, I miss New York dearly, um, except for not in the summer, not the humidity. I don't miss that. Um, so yeah, I, I started, um, in our, uh, South Bay campus. So in Sunnyvale, um, Uh and was living down in South Bay. And then I moved up to San Francisco. So I was in the San Francisco office for a little bit. Um, and then I really just kind of wanted to move somewhere new, go out of California. Um, yeah. and so we have a New York office. Um, it's actually in the Empire State Building, which is very cool as a Californian to wow, walk yeah. into the Empire State Building every day for work. That uh, is cool. And so I can talk to my boss at the time and there was, you know, a business need where I could kind of spin it of like, Hey, I think it'd be great to have someone in this office for all our New York events. Um, and so he was on board and I, um, moved to New York with my roommate at the time, actually another shout out Colby Gleeden. She was in the RBTA major too. Yeah. Hey Colby. Um, so yeah, uh, we're like best friends now, but we, we moved awesome. to New York together um, and we're there for, for three years. Absolutely loved it. We lived in East village. So like the heart of the city, you know, took the subway to work was very like, you know, the typical New York life. Um, it was, it. it was so much fun. I don't regret it at all. Um, it just was, you know, hard to be away from, from friends and family, um, be across the country. So we knew that, you know, we'd always move back and then COVID happened, which, you know, I, I think it's yeah. So, so y'all, but you spent the vast majority of the COVID in, in, um, in New York city, right? So you're working from a small, small little apartment that you and Colby had together. Yeah. So yep, we actually lasted two weeks in, uh-huh. um, our small little apartment, um, uh-huh. which anyone who's lived in New York, it, they are, you, the apartments aren't meant to be there 24 seven. Um, uh-huh. they're uh-huh. just, you know, they're there to eat and sleep and then you're out doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, my family was, uh, lucky enough that my grandparents have a beach house, um, on Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Oh, and no so we rented a car, got, and I had a dog, my dog was, you know, four months old at that time. So we threw the dog in the car, 
packed our stuff up. We thought we'd be there for two weeks because everyone thought, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Packed our bags for two weeks, went to the beach house um, in like middle of March. And we ended up being there until August. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. it was just, you know, the city was, was shut down and yeah. it was scary and you know, all of that. Um, and so we, at that point we, you know, and Mr. You know, we haven't seen our family in a really long time. So we yeah. made the journey back to California. Um, so we, we kind of bounced around for, for a little bit of that time in COVID. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and, and that's a, that's a good transition to talk about, um, work-life balance and, and and the culture related to, um, you know, whether you're able to work from home, um, remote, that sort of thing. So coming out of COVID, what's, what's LinkedIn been like along those lines? Um, obviously, I'm, I'm looking at you here where I know you're not at an office. Um, so I know there's some flexibility, but uh, but tell us about that and what that's been like. Yeah, they've been... Um they've been really great during, during COVID they've led with trust, which I think a lot of the employees, you know, really appreciate. We, everyone proved that they could work from home for the most part for, you know, that year that we were all kind of mandated. Um, and then, um, we've, you know, they've gone towards the hybrid, um, structure. And so, um, we like, I go in probably like one or two times a month. Um, and what's really been great is, yeah, I'm mostly from home. Um, the early meetings are really hard to get to the office by like 7am. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, I think what they, what they figured out now is people were trying to go in, in a hybrid, um, you know, structure and people were going to the office and then they get there and no one else would be there. And so timing the days I think was really important. And so now we have anchor days. So we know that Wednesdays are our days. Oh, cool. If you want to go in when you want to see a bunch of people and have the in-person meetings and, you know, get lunch with folks and all of that, mm-hmm. um, Wednesdays are your day, which has been super helpful. Cause I think you want to, if you go in, you, you want to be, you know, have your time be impactful and, and have those connections. Um, so if yeah. they've, they've transitioned more towards that. Love it. Love it. That's so awesome. Tell us, uh, we, we didn't get a chance to do it. Tell us your favorite thing to do in New York City or, or your favorite mm-hmm. highlight during your time in New York City. Is there something that stands out there? I feel like there's so many. Um, yeah, I, I think what I maybe what I miss the most is just walking out my front door and Colby and I used to do this. It'd be like a Saturday, you know, great weather. We'd walk out the door and we just go with the green lights. Like it, we would just, you know, walk around and be like, all right, we're going this way. And we just stumble upon new streets and new neighborhoods and yeah. end up at a restaurant or maybe a bar um, and just come back like, you know, eight hours later um, and just, you know, we'd probably end up with, you know, shopping bags and and things like that. But right. yeah, just we just so kind much of to do and so around. much to yeah. see. Yeah. The city that yeah. never sleeps. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Why I, uh, I haven't been to New York city in so long. Um, uh, but, uh, the, the few times that I went there, I, I just, uh, it, it was, it was pretty special, pretty, pretty interesting. My biggest thing is I remember driving. I, I, my first time in New York city, um, as an adult, I was with a friend who was from New York City. And so she taught me uh, how to drive and how to drive very aggressively. And she was like, if you use your blinker, 
you'll you'll be fine like they're not gonna hit you if you have your blinker on if you don't use your blinker and she was like so blinker and aggressive as possible so <laughs> that was my that was the mantra <laughs> but uh but anyway so let's talk about your current position it's such a cool uh such a cool title uh, emily uh chief of staff uh global talent acquisition so first of all Tell us what your primary role is, what you're doing day to day, and then we'll we'll get into some of the um, opportunities and challenges after that. Uh, so I think chief of staff is one of those roles that uh, is hard to put on paper. Um, but I think the overarching kind of what I what I do is just make the team um, run efficiently and just make sure things are organized. Um, right. Uh, so back, it's back to the, when you were playing with your sisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm living the dream. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's it. yeah, so it's a it's a global team. Um, we were around 600 people yeah. earlier this year. Unfortunately, had a layoff, and so we're a little bit smaller. Um, yeah. But it's we've got you know a big group in in Europe and then in our Asia Pacific um, offices, um, and really kind of the big buckets that I kind of own. So like communications, uh, org wide, um, all hands meetings, leadership meetings, like um, coming up with the agenda. Um, I partner with like our HR and finance and people analytics teams, just making sure that we have what we need from them and vice versa. Um, process improvement, rhythm of business things like OKRs for all our leadership team. Um, that's objectives and key results for anyone who doesn't know the acronym. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I well, was Call me sure out when I say one. <laughs> um, the acronyms, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I heard someone, I heard another chief of staff describe it as kind of air traffic control, ah. um, I think is, is, is accurate and just I like, like connecting the dots and just making sure all the, you know, things are happening, um, yeah. really advising and, you know, we, we do, we're in a lot of the, the meetings with the, with the leadership. And so I was um, going to say, I bet you do work with the executives pretty closely, right? Yeah. And, and like trusted with a lot of confidential information, which, you know, I, I appreciate, I think it makes me help, you know, it helps me do my job a lot better when I'm in those, in those calls and kind of seeing the behind the scenes stuff. Um, yeah. It's That's awesome. So, so tell us, um, explain for us a little bit, you know, since LinkedIn is, um, is so, um, is so positioned in the space of talent acquisition, right. And, and of, um, of people recruiting and, and, um, and businesses using it as a, as a key component, when we hear global talent acquisition for LinkedIn, I think for me, at least I wasn't hundred percent sure whether you were doing that for LinkedIn or whether or not you were helping, um, across all of the different um, organizations that utilize LinkedIn. So help yeah. us um, explain that a little bit more. Yeah, it's very, it's very meta, like LinkedIn at LinkedIn. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so our team, uh, we, we kind of dabble on both. So our okay, team, is you do. The, main, the main thing is, um, you know, we recruit for 
LinkedIn. So to fill our open roles, you know, we do a lot of internal mobility is big at LinkedIn, internal transformation. So we've got a lot of internal movement. Um, and then of course, filling like our external facing roles for sales and engineering and, and pro- product and mm-hmm. finance and all that. Um, and then we also act as like customer zero. So, um, you know, we are the ones, you know, giving feedback on the recruiter tool, um, uh, trying to right. influence, you know, to make the the tool the best that it can be. And I think, you know, we're in the perfect spot to, to do that and try out new features and, um, you know, give the feedback on, on where we think it can improve. Um, so it's, it's, it's totally like a, a dual role, um, with both. Love it. That's so cool. That's so cool. So talk to us about, um, let's start with challenges and then we'll go to opportunities. What do you see the challenges in, in your space? Um, I think especially these last couple of years, uh, the, the recruiting industry, TA industry, um, has gone through a lot of ups and downs, um, just with COVID and, uh, then the great reshuffle where everyone scaled up and then we're seeing the economy, you know, come down a little bit. And so we've had to scale down. And so I think, um, just as an industry in the, you know, as a whole is, is kind of figuring out how to have an agile workforce, um, to have, you know, people who, who can maybe lean in in different places or leveraging, you know, the contractors so that we're able to kind of scale up and scale down without having to do layoffs. I think that's heartbreaking for everyone involved, um, and to just, um, avoid that. And then I think we also have kind of what's developing right now, which is, you know, very cool to kind of be in it and see it live is AI. Um, I think everyone's trying to figure out what that means and how that impacts our jobs and, you know, how to, you know, we're recruiting AI engineers and, you know, what do they even do? And, and, you know, all of that, like, I think everyone's just figuring out, figuring it out on the fly. Um, So I think that'll be a a challenge and an opportunity um, over the next, you know, couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I just want to put a bug in your ear. I, I, I told you earlier that, you know, we we're we're opening this fall, the experience innovation, uh, innovation lab. And, um, and so we're excited about the future and AI is one of the things that, that we're, we're obviously going to be working with and, and trying to, to figure out, like you said, right. And so, uh, so, you know, um, I think there's some potential for partnership there. Uh, but, I, but I also will say, and, and, and just want to give you you and LinkedIn a, a shout out. You know, as far as this podcast goes, um, LinkedIn has been such an amazing resource um, for for connecting with alumni, for for posting the podcast, for um, all sorts of things. And um, you know, we've had a jobs blog. You you know that we 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 probably started it a little bit before, or maybe even during your time. Did we start the jobs blog during your time? Yeah, I think yeah, I think we had remember? it. Remember? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. well, we we still have that, and and we still run that. But um, but I'm also every day. So you'll be happy to know. Um, four days ago, I put on my to do list LinkedIn daily, fifteen minutes, where I just uh, where I just go through and scroll and see if any of our alumni have posted positions, and then. I share it to our experience industry management group. And um, so it's it's just such an amazing tool. And so I wonder if you can speak, um, you know, to that and, and to what it's like working for such an, uh, an organization that that I think is respected around the world.
world and and what the opportunities are? Yeah, um, I think like the, you know, what keeps me at LinkedIn is A, the people. I think that's, you know, I love the people that I work with. Um, But B, like the mission and vision of the company. Um, Like I wholeheartedly believe it and stand by it and just, you know, creating opportunities for people, equitable opportunities. Um, You know, we're really starting to dive into skills and and how we can take someone who maybe doesn't have the degrees, but they have the skills and, Mm -hmm. you know, connect them to the right job. So I think there's so much potential there to continue to grow. Um, For me personally, like, like you said, like the connections is, is the biggest thing. Um, I've been able to, to kind of keep connected. I've, I've had people who have reached out to me that they've seen a job you know, to work at LinkedIn on LinkedIn, and I'm able to connect them to the right person. Um, and, a few, you know, a few of them are, are still at LinkedIn today. Um, and yeah, and I, I, and I also like get, you know, reach outs that, you know, are just from people that I don't know, and they just want to learn more about, you know, what it's like, like working at LinkedIn. Yeah. And like, I think most people are so open to, to having like a 30 minute conversation with someone. Um, I know it's scary for, you know, students or people who are early in their career to Mm kind of do those cold reach outs, but I've, you know, heard and seen that, you know, most, Mm -hmm. most people are like totally open to doing that, um, which is great. Yeah. 100%. And that's, that's one of the other things that I've really loved about, um, about the podcast, because when, when, um, or I shouldn't say about the podcast, about the LinkedIn podcast connection is because, um, I I'm able to say, uh, yeah, you know, actually every one of my guests has been open to talking to students. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is connect with them on LinkedIn. So I kind of put it in there, you know, I put the networking, um, in their, in their hands and I say, connect with them, let them know you heard them on the podcast and that you'd love to, to, to schedule an informational interview. And, yeah. um, and I, I, I have no idea how many actually follow through and do it. Um, but the fact that I keep seeing um, our students, our, our graduates get positions with some of these companies, with people that I've interviewed um, is just like heartwarming to me, you know? And, um, and, and then, like you said too, you know, I, I, I mentioned a couple minutes ago that I do the reposts mm-hmm. on um, um, EIM and I've had a few people tell me they've gotten jobs through that. And I'm like, that makes me, it's like yeah. that 15 minutes daily is worth it. Right. When you hear that, just knowing that you can help people. And the thing that I love the most about LinkedIn, I think is that it's not the toxic environment that we see in some of our social media feeds right and um and i love that about it too like people are so supportive on the side and um and it's like it you know i don't know it's just a it's just a wonderful site and i think uh i'm with you i i would imagine it would be a a great company to work for um let's uh let's end with a couple of other uh threads like one is if you could go back in time, I guess that would be like 2012, mm-hmm. uh, time travel to 2012. What would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself to not worry about any what any, everyone else is doing. I think just focus on myself. I think that's so hard to do when you're, you know, seeing people get these amazing internships and people that are jumping right into these great companies. And like, like you mentioned earlier, I had a gap before I got to LinkedIn. And I think 
Um, you know, that was a lot of beating myself up and of like, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough and all of these things, but it was my own journey. And I, you know, I'm so glad that I had that stop at another company before it taught me a lot. Um, and then, you know, it was just on my own journey. So I think, you know, to not, you know, it's, it's easier said than done, but to not compare yourself to, to everyone else and just focus on yourself and, you know, it'll work out when it's supposed to work out. That's right. I think that's, uh, Emily, I think that's just such great advice. I mean, um, you know, in today's social media age that we that we live in, um, the the research that's been done has shown that the 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 comparison element is what damages us the most in terms of like a self-esteem and that sort of thing, right? Like they've they've done their studies have been done that have said, Look, I know that their life isn't necessarily as sunny and bright as it appears on social media. Um, but even knowing that, just the act of the social comparison is um, can be damaging to us. And so I think that is just such good advice um, for for everyone. Um, the the last thing I'll, I'll ask you is um, for and you've already given such good advice, but um, uh, someone in your position at a company like LinkedIn, like what advice would you give um, to the next generation as they're 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 looking to either get into the event space or get into the tech space or or get into the uh, talent acquisition, the employee experience um, realm um, that that you're in. What advice would you give? Um, I think the connections, I think that's so important. Um, you never know who's going to lead you to who else. Um, and I think, um, kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, on that same thread of, I, you know, try to, or I am nice to every person that I come in contact with. And so it's, you know, you never know who's, you know, connected to who or, or anything like that. Um, so just being kind to the people that you work with, no matter their level, um, or what job they're doing, um, I think it's so important. Um, I, you know, I think it's like the, the work hard and be nice. I feel like it's so simple. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think if, if, if you do that, you're, you know, people will, will, you know, bring opportunities to you and know that you're someone who, who, you know, deserves those opportunities and, and, um, you know, is well connected and and all of that. So I think it's the connections and then it's also being really nice and just genuinely kind to the people that, that you come in contact with. Um, Yeah, yeah. I love it. And, you know, I think that, um, that, that be kind threat, you, you went, um, you may not have even realized you said it, but you, you, you think, I think you touched on something that's a, that's really important. Um, And that was be kind, no matter the person's level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like so here at a university, for example, I've heard people say, um, oh, well, yeah, that person's not nice to staff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that faculty member is perfectly nice to other faculty, but they're not nice to staff. They're mean to staff. And it's like, what? 
And so what you said is like really, really important because people can see through you if you're superficial, if you're just nice to the boss or if you're just nice to the executives or you're just nice to middle management and then you treat everybody else like crap, you know, they're going to see through that for sure. And um, I don't think we realize how perceptive that most people are along those lines, right? And so that kindness to all people, I think, is a really important one. And, and such a great message and really appreciate it, Emily. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Um, I, I just want to just want to say I really appreciate you taking the time. I know how busy you are and um, uh, just really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for some of the partnerships ahead. Yes. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Good to see you. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye.